Hi, this is Carrie Brownstein. This is DJ Premier. This is Darren Aronofsky. You got the Rizzo right here. Rose McGowan. Right here. Aisha Tyler. Tron Conquest. Fred Armisen. Fritz Paul. Javier Munoz. Seth Meyers. Frankie Cosmos. Flying Lotus. Hi, we're Haim. And you're listening to the Talk House Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Talk House Podcast. I'm Josh Modell. On this week's episode, we've got two guys from very different musical worlds who've collided over the years in really interesting and fruitful ways, Vic Mensa and Johan Lennox. Now, Mensa is a Chicago-bred rapper who first found notice with the group Kids These Days, but who quickly established himself as a solo artist around 2013. He's collaborated with an amazing array of artists from Kanye West to Weezer and all points in between. Mensa's second proper album, there are lots of mixtapes and guest appearances out there too, came out last year, and it's called Victor. Once again, Mensa displays an incredible agility, bouncing from fun to deep and back again. He's an amazing lyricist, equally adept at party starters and deep thoughts, both of which are on display here. Contributors to the album include Jay Electronica, Chance the Rapper, Thundercat, Ty Dolla Sign, and many others, including today's other guest, Johan Lennox. Now, Lennox did not come up through the hip-hop world, but rather through the world of classical music. Hearing Kanye West's My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy pushed Lennox out of that bubble, though, and led to a cultural mashup called Yeethoven which utilized a live orchestra to mash up Kanye West and, yes, Beethoven. Lennox has since worked as a producer for West, for Lil Nas X, and many others, and worked with the likes of No ID and Big Sean. He also put out a solo record of R&B-ish jams called What Do You Want to Be When You Grow Up, and a record, also last year, credited to Iso Monstrosity, a trio he formed that treats classical music like hip-hop, chopping and mixing it into something new and bold. Earlier this year, he released a string album called Johan's Childhood Chamber Nostalgia Album, but let's check out a track from the ISO Monstrosity record that also happens to feature Vic Mensa. This is called Wake Up. Hear the church bells ringing, I'm singing freedom. We live in modern enslavement. I'm exercising my demons. I'm spitting the congregation. I done caught the Holy Ghost on these motherfuckers. The spirit is in me. Father, the son, I bury my enemies. We a dynasty compared to the Kennedys. But more black with more straps. I mean, they barely could kill me. I'm a mortal. Bitch, you ain't walking in these here Jordans. Size nine and a half. Tell me who your favorite. I'm Kurt Vonnegut. Promise I slaughter all five. Running out of the ride with a Louis Vuitton bag. In this conversation, Lennox and Mensa talk about being inspired by everyone from Kanye to Kurt Cobain, about how Mensa wants to inject his sense of humor into more of his music, about artificial intelligence and the future of music, and a songwriting trick they've recently learned. Enjoy. What's up, man? Man, I'm chilling, bro. How you feeling? I feel pretty good. I just woke up a little foggy. I've been up so long, bro. I was up since five. That's insane. I start doing really early morning shit, like uh, go to the gym at six. That's crazy. And then like, now that I'm like about to really, really start working on another album, my intention is, since I've kind of already built up this muscle and routine of waking up early, to be like in the studio in the morning. I mean, I've started to do it, but like I wasn't working on a record. It'd be like if I'm writing a verse for something, a freestyle or something like that, like work out and then be, you know, whatever, whatever, by like nine or some shit. But like starting yeah. this new album, I'm about to just be on like Terminator mode. I definitely feel more like productive during the day. I've never really got why so many sessions start at like 10 p.m. I mean, I get it, but it's just yeah. like, I don't, I feel like I don't, I can't do anything at that, like once it's like 2 a.m. Music hours are definitely that, you know what I mean? But you know who's the first person I saw doing what I'm talking about? Really the only person I ever saw doing it was Pharrell, man. I got in the studio with him when we were doing autobiography and he was working at 
I mean, it must have been like 6, 7 a.m. But he seemed like so fresh and full of energy and it's like sunlight. And I was just like, yo, this is different. You know what I mean? I feel like I remember you talking about that a little bit after that happened and also saying that he would just at 5 p.m. He'd be like, yeah, I'm, that's it. I'm good. For real. He'd clock, he'd clock in and clock out like a fucking, like a job. You know what I mean? And I just thought that was like, that was interesting. I had a debate with a friend recently I was on tour with about whether this is a job. And I was like, I think it's, I like to think of it as a job, even though it is all consuming. I still feel like it's healthier that way to just be like, this is what I do. And then sometimes yeah. I'm going to not think about it, you know, if you can't, which is hard. But Doing music, I don't think of as a job. I mean, like traveling and, you know, doing podcasts and promotion and appearances, those things I do think of as work but I, maybe I'm capped because even when I'm working on music I ain't gonna lie I be treating that shit like a job these days not that I'm detached emotionally but like yeah getting up super early and getting in there like it's the office you know what I mean because I guess I've realized like something I didn't know in the past is that like if I get in the studio or I, I'm exercising my writing muscle like you know for four five six hours a day day in and day out for a few days in a row. Them first few days going to be tough. But like a few days in, I'm going to be making like the best shit I can make. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like the way you say it's like a muscle. Like I try to do volume, like just push through. Even if I'm not feeling inspired, I try to not let that stop me from making something. It doesn't matter that I don't feel like yeah. in the mood necessarily. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, in that sense, I mean, I treat it like a job. I obviously don't want to compare myself to people who have like actual jobs because I feel like our life is so easy compared to that in some ways, you know, where I don't, I, I'm so grateful. Yeah. No, it's, it's a blessing. But I think also like there's also some different to be said about your livelihood or whatever resting on yeah. your ability to be creative. It's just different. You know what I mean? It's like, it's for sure something to be grateful for because it's a thousand times better than like coal mining or some shit. Brr. Who was I having this combo with, man? Might have been most deaf or, or Yasin, but you know, just like how it's kind of like mining or excavation. You know what I'm saying? I feel like the, pro the creative process for me is like just to keep picking at it and digging at it and digging at it. And there's going to be a bunch of like dirt, but then occasionally you find something that's like a nugget of gold, do you know what I mean? Or a diamond. I think that's what you learn, I guess, but after you've been doing it for years, it's just like, it, it's not going to happen if I don't, if I'm waiting for like the perfect moments. I mean, sometimes you have that, but like a lot of times you just don't. You got to, yeah. you were kind of like the first, I guess, major artist that, really let me like into the process and, and gave me a lot of opportunities and stuff, which I really am grateful for. And I feel like during that first year, and I haven't really ever done this with another artist, but there was a period where I was really just like in there pretty much every day and seeing that kind of thing that we're talking about, which is kind of like, it doesn't matter. We're making something, you know? Yeah. And I feel like that is kind of how a lot of these great songs, it's like, it's not always the first or second one. Sometimes it's like the 50th time you go back. It's just like, yeah. Then no, you, that's facts. You man. get tired of all the easy stuff and then you start trying different things. It was Dave Appleton that introduced me yep. to you. And uh, he put us on to uh, Yeetoven. And it was just like, I think from the moment when I saw that, I was just like, this guy's got a musical mind that's leaps and bounds beyond a lot of what's going on over here. And I know it was like at first we were doing the strings and things like that. But even like throughout the years, one thing I came to realize about you is that like 
you're one of the illest melody writers I've ever met. You know what I'm saying? So even when we were doing like 93 Punks and I would have lyrics and ask you what's a good melody, I started reading this songwriting book. It's like, I don't know, melody writing for dummies or some shit, but it's tight. And it made me think about that because there was a writer in there who was talking about how his lyrics had written the songs he wanted, but he didn't have the melodies in the same way. And like trying some of these techniques to develop that skill for melody, but it made me think of you because I remember like writing literal songs of just lyrics and being like, handing it to you like, what's a melody? That's crazy that they put it in writing because I have no idea how I would explain Yo, any part of it. The one thing that's stuck with me seriously right now is this technique that the dude calls line plus three. And he identifies like how hella best songs yeah. will have like a group of words like melodies or whatever, but then there would be an accentuated three at the end, kind of in the rhythm of like uh, this tresillo rhythm, which is like a like a reggaeton type of Afro beat thing. Da, da, da. So then you start to look at it and it's like, yesterday, all my troubles seem so far away. Oh, yeah. Now it looks as if they're here to stay or... They try to make me go to rehab, and I said, no, no, no. Yeah, that's sick. Yes, I've been black, but when <laughs> I come... Even fucking uh, one ex- example they used was, um, uh, you probably think that you are better now, better now. One, two, three, one, two, three. You only that's say that crazy. when I'm not around. And I, I was like, yo, that's wild. I start to think about a lot of the best songs that I've ever known. And like... That they use that. Yeah, they have this thing with like this three syllable melody thing at the end or beginning of lines. It's like it's kind of ill. So I'm I'm studying awesome. that shit because I'm like, how do I get some of that sauce Johan got with writing melodies? They, they're just giving this shit away. <laughs> I swear to God, they they. That's suck. incredible. I want to read that book. I'm sure there's stuff I wouldn't have thought of because I feel like I'm doing it pretty intuitively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never really sat down and tried to figure out what I'm doing with the melody stuff. So. There is one thing I know that I'm doing with that, not to get too technical, but if you'll go out of like the Max Martin, like the really big pop stuff over the past 20 years, he'll do like for an overall structure, he'll do a line three times and then he'll do like two quick ones at the end. I'm trying to think of an example that's kind of hard to explain, but like... Uh, there's always like a, it's like three of the big ones and then there's just some faster thing that happens at the end is like a tag yeah actually that's kind of your thing too isn't it that literally is the thing you were just talking about yeah it is actually that's crazy it's the line plus three who would have fucking thought but it's like there's definitely things that glue all these biggest songs together. Yeah. Well, it's also true with art in general. Is a lot of it has to be at least somewhat familiar for people to get the new ideas you're saying. Like, they have mm-hmm. to have a baseline of just, I understand where we are to mm-hmm. get the ways you're changing it up. Like, it can't be all new. Right. And so you do find yourself going back to these things that you know work in order to just kind of lock people into something. I think sometimes, too, you can, like, build it up to break it down. You know what I'm saying? Like, I guess when once I get through the rest of this book, I always had in mind, like, uh, Frank Ocean Blonde, because that shit is so... It's pretty out there. In, yeah, it's just in opposition of, like, structure yeah, at all. I agree. Well, let me think. I sleep between y'all. It's okay. No, even that. Even that. 
is like the, the is, syncopation is is the, the is the is the threes. But um, but yeah, that that's an album that's like, you know, what I mean, somewhere like yeah, in the cosmos and shit. I mean, he built up a lot of goodwill. That's another thing that happens. I feel like a lot of my favorite artists is that they kind of they go a little commercial early in their career. And then they build that audience and then they start getting weird with it. Like I think about like Beyonce is pushing things way farther than she did originally. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah, making yeah. pop. It's all art, but now she's really pushing it. Right. Obviously, Kanye, same thing. I feel like you've done that. I feel like that's a, it's a, kind of that same thing. And, and Frank, I think, you know, because because Channel Orange had like, thinking about you, had a lot of like more conventional kind of stuff. Even Channel know. Orange, I feel like he was breaking them though. Because I remember listening to Nostalgia Ultra and like I was in love with that one. Then when Channel Orange first came out, I was like, where's all the easily digestible pop songs? Because I'm thinking about like... That's true. Novocaine and... You, you could already hear it. Yeah. I'm thinking about like Novocaine. And at first I thought Channel Orange was weak. You know what I mean? For like 24 it's hours. Wild. yeah. You know what I mean? Like then I started to realize after about a day, I was like, oh, this is crazy, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder, whatever he's going to do next is going to be so far out. Like if you think about going into Blonde and then, I don't know, I feel like it's going to get even crazier. Hey, this is Josh Modell, host of the TalkHouse podcast. We love it when musicians come on the show and talk about process, and often they'll get into the nuts and bolts of being a working artist, which can sometimes be fun and sometimes feel more like a business. Well, this episode of TalkHouse is brought to you by DistroKid, which is an amazing service for musicians looking to get their songs out into the world in an incredibly smart and cost-effective way. For the past decade plus, DistroKid has made it easy to get your music on all the streaming services, including Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Instagram, and more. You keep 100% of your earnings minus a flat yearly fee, which is a better deal than you'll find anywhere else. More than a million artists use DistroKid, and the latest version of their app is better than ever. It includes features that make it easy to see your account details, including the money you've earned, as well as to seamlessly edit things like lyrics and metadata across platforms. There's even a feature called Instant Share, which allows you to easily share files with your bandmates, booking agent, playlist curators, and more. DistroLock allows you to protect your songs. DistroKid users get a YouTube official artist channel, too. The list goes on. The DistroKid app is available on iOS and Android. Go check it out today. Seattle in the 90s. A tidal wave of iconic music roars out of this sleepy city and launches a pop culture revolution. Here's a story you haven't heard. Let the Kids Dance is a new podcast about the rise and fall of Seattle's teen dance ordinance, the law that made it illegal for young people to go to concerts. A story of moral panic, grassroots activism, and an unstoppable music community that fought for its freedom. Listen to Let the Kids Dance from KUOW and the NPR Network. So you're already in there. Were you working on the album like right up to the moment that it came out pretty much? No. Or you man. had it done. I was done when you were in Chicago and we finished it. You know what I mean? That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. And I, that's it sounds like what we did. No, you played on everything and we were done. It was really just record label stuff. I was thinking about how you said you're like now you're like it's out and you're ready to go back in. I kind of feel like that happens with me too. Like it's hard for me to to move all the way I'm on. I'm trying to break this. It's hard for me to make the next album when I'm still yeah, waiting yeah. for this one to come out. It was literally just record label stuff. You know what I mean? I wanted to really start making the next record, but like you said, man, that shit could be a little tough for me when like, obviously there's all the things that go into releasing a record and like, you know, creating the art and rollout yeah. and 
all those things. So in the midst of that and holding on to this big body of work, you know what I mean? I think it can be difficult, yeah, to really jump into making another one. But my mentally, I've been there, though. You know what I mean? I've been like, this is what yeah, I want. Yeah. This is what I want it to sound like. These are the themes I want to play with. And these are like the directions I want to go. But I felt like i just been thinking about it a long time. So now I'm like itching to like really do yeah, it, yeah. you know? That is like a good feeling. I feel like I also, it taps into a thing that I remember feeling when I was in like middle and high school where I first started writing the classical shit was I, because I had to spend my whole day in like science class and stuff. I was so ready. Like I was so engaged with the music the moment I got home because of spending all day just thinking about the moment I'll be able to get home and get into the music mm. shit, you know? It's like your brain works harder to like figure out how you're going to take advantage of that moment once you get it. And then you like go once you have it. No, nah, for real. I used to be that way in school too with writing, with rapping. Cause like, you know, I'd be doing whatever I was doing all day, but my, so I, I'd be writing rhymes in school and shit too. But like my real time, basically my studio time was like when I got home, you know, that's when I would like play the beats loud in my basement and like, you know, you know how I write, like I just walk around yeah. and like, just like say it out loud, you know? So yeah, of course. I would do that in my, in my room. And that was like what I was working up to. And it was, it, it's, it's ill. Cause like, I think that practice of discipline, you know, that initially made me be a dope lyricist. It's like capturing that feeling. Cause it wasn't, it wasn't labor to me. You know what I mean? It was like, yeah this is what I'm excited to go do. Like somebody from the outside looking in would be like, it's a beautiful day outside and you just want to sit in your room and like listen to beats, you know what I mean? Yeah, but so. like, but for me, it was like, that was my time of freedom. You know what I mean? That was the candy of the day. Like that's what I'm building up to is to be able to go and literally put in work. Just like write raps on raps on raps, like punchlines. Sometimes I go back in my room and find like a, in my parents' house, and I'll find, like, these notebooks. Something I want to bring back into this album process that I had back then was, like, I might just write line here, line there. It wasn't always, like, this is a song, this is a verse. It would be, like, this is a clever punchline, you know? Just yeah. little ones. Like, I'll see Kanye do that, you know what I mean? Kanye yeah, have, yeah. like, these notes. Like, I don't remember if it's a notebook or if it's in his phone. I remember it being a physical thing, though. And he'll just have, like random non sequitur lines. And it might be like a punchline, something that rhymes or just like a little joke or like a little piece of something that'll become a hook. And then going through them later. Yeah, kinda. Sometimes I'll see him pull out a notebook, but you know, he's not really like a notebook type of dude. He's more like right. just feeling. But when I did realize that he was like, just throughout the course of his life, taking little notes about slick shit he wanted to say, I was like, oh, that's ill. I never realized he was doing that, you know? Yeah, yeah. I remember hearing that Kurt Cobain used to do that. Yeah, he's got like, his journals. You can buy the yeah. journals, yeah, if you want, which is kind of crazy. But, like, there are, I think, like, certain lines that end up in songs that just show up originally. It's just like a right. random scrap of a line in, a, like, totally different context. Right. Which is cool. I, I do it a little bit with titles, but, yeah. I, I don't do it by, by hand, though. I have, like, a document that's just, like, text that I'll occasionally write. No, nah, I feel you. I, I'm, I, I ain't gonna lie. I'm, no, I'm about to start, I'm about to start doing that with the, with the writing though, you know what I'm saying? Because I feel like, man, the best music is definitely conversational, you know what I'm saying? And just from 
experiences and random little thoughts. Like I feel like I have so many jokes I make per day, but I don't make that many jokes in my music. You know what I mean? It's yeah, something yeah, I, yeah. It's something I want to put in my music. Like you know me, I'm like pretty much nothing is serious to me. I'm always joking about yeah, yeah. absolutely everything. But then my music, oftentimes it'll be like very you know, serious like Nas or some shit, you know what I mean? Like there's not a lot of jokes in it, you know what I mean? Right, but right. but I'm like, man, I gotta figure that out because comedy is so powerful in music. Yeah, It's so powerful, even sometimes when I'm doing public speaking, I have it when I'm doing public speaking. I know exactly that I, I can talk this much about a heavy intellectual or spiritual concept, then I gotta say something stupid or kind of ghetto to like, mix it in and get a laugh to bring people back around for an emotional moment. You constantly got to break it up. Yeah, and it's also just easier to let people like hear a serious idea or point if they're not, if they're not like expecting that somehow, like if they're sort of, if they're in a lighter mood, they'll like take it sometimes because they don't see it coming. Then when you really hit them with a serious point, I feel like that's sometimes better than setting them up for like, this is going to be really serious. That's the most effective way that I found of, of communication and getting a point across is like to mix, you know, the the depth with lighthearted comedy, you know, just like put it all together, you know what I'm saying? That's when you get ill. That's when it'd be like, oh, I love that experience, you know? Sometimes somebody hits you with all the info and you'd be like, damn, that person is really smart, but like, I don't know what the fuck he was just talking about. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's why I like, I'm like a big comedy fan just in general too, like actual comedy, like, you know, stand up and all that stuff. It's just, I feel like that's in some ways, it's like a, re- a really special medium for that reason. Nah, for you real. do get a lot of serious points being made, but it's for like real, so bro. much more, yeah. Like I was at Dave's show the other day. Uh, he brought me out to come perform a couple songs. Yeah, Chappelle just did fucking three nights at the United Center in Chicago, broke all their comedy records. That's crazy. And uh, that dude, man, like, I ain't gonna lie. I'm studying Chappelle this album because that dude is, he's the fucking playbook of how to be an amazing artist. Like, the just size and import of the things he talks about, but the interesting ways that he comes at them and he makes something so real and necessary be, like, so stupid. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, yeah, yeah. Like, he could just do that so masterfully and bring it around. And then he'll do a monologue for 10 minutes. Won't be telling no jokes. We're talking about something. And then he'll go and make a joke that's all the way off the rails, completely off limits, just real quick. You know what I mean? He's got the delicate dance down to a precision. Kanye has that, too. Kanye is one who, like, he's the main guy I'm thinking of right now when I say mixing humor in. Kanye always puts fucking funny shit in his music yeah, and it's true, like yeah. but he's always talked about deep concepts you know what i mean since he since his first album like it's always been deep concepts but then he'll say something stupid like got a light-skinned friend look like michael jackson got a right, dark skin right, right. i saw two chicks the other day that literally look like a light skin and a dark skin michael jackson Damn. that shit fucked me up i ain't gonna lie i was like this is what this nigga was talking about I'm sure you, you, yeah, you didn't, you didn't go up and tell him that. No, 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 I ain't tell him that. I ain't even tell him that, you know. But that shit just hit going different. around looking like Michael Jackson. That shit hit different because I was like, man, for real though, like those those jokes, man. Kanye, Kanye, Dave, 
You know, I think I think I would say Kurt Cobain is another person that yeah, he was funny. Yeah, 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 yeah it yeah. was like dry, fucking ironic humor, but it was always it was always there. He could be talking about the saddest shit, you know, but he yeah, would yeah, put yeah. something like something ironically funny in there. Yeah, Amy Winehouse too. Yeah, that's true. Amy is another one who always is doing that. I think artists also sometimes it's easy to take yourself very seriously. And I feel like it's important to not like in real life too. I always appreciate that you that you weren't like too. You know, I don't know. I think I think what you say is true too because I think people would ask sometimes it's like, oh, he seems like a really serious dude. I'm like, no, not at all. You know, and it's like, like it's, yeah, when he wants to be, but yeah, it's like, and I think really not. No, I'm like not serious about anything. letting people into that is a good thing. No, yeah. for real though, I'm about. That's what I'm saying. I'm intentionally gonna like freak that with this one because it's like I, I guess I'll just be searching for like how to make. How to make the music be the most accurate representation of me, and yeah. not not just my idea of what my music sounds like. I think that's a really hard thing that I actually think about a lot, which is that whether it's expectations, or people look at you, they know certain things about your backstory, they know what's happened in the past, they know the other music you've made, and then they're like, "This is what you sound like," you know. And it's very hard, I think, sometimes to get out of that or to. I mean, I feel like I remember talking about this with the punk album, obviously it was a big example of that on your end. I think there's been growing pains for me over the years with my solo shit of just kind of like, well, this is the music I like. The music that most inspires me is like the Kanye stuff, whatever. But then they're like, well, it looks like you should be making like indie rock. Cause like, look at you. And it's like, all right, right cool. Right, fair right. enough. I don't play guitar. I don't really care about indie rock. But that's cool. You know? Right. And it's just like, not that I'm, you know, and I never was trying to rap, but it's just like, trying to fit how I, you know, where I fit in in a way that was going to be like this package where people would look at it and be like, oh, that makes sense. It looks like this. The story is this. It sounds like this. But communicating it in a way that people can make sense of is really hard when you're in your own body, I feel like sometimes, you know. And it's difficult to see yourself, too. That's what I'm saying. Somebody else often, like, can see you maybe more. Somebody knows you for real, you know, can see you more than you can see yourself. So, like, we see a caricature of ourself, you know? I don't know how you break out of that, though. I ain't gonna lie. I'm down to try anything, and I know you are too, which I think is something that was always really interesting about that the process with your stuff, which is that, like, there was nothing. Like, we were literally making, like, Afrobeat and punk shit and, like, you know, soul sample shit all in the same week and just being right. like, who cares? You know, it's all good, but it is, like, I don't know. It's tough. I think that's something I'm still trying to figure out. I mean, that shit is hard for people to digest, you know? I think, like... There's some special sauce to it, though, because you know who I've been thinking about a lot, man, since he passed away is Virgil. And, like, yeah, Virgil would make all those things Louis Vuitton. You know what I mean? Virgil would find a way to make, like, hardcore punk rock, slam poetry, Wu-Tang-style hip-hop, you know what I mean, some Afro shit, all Louis Vuitton. You know what I mean? Yeah. He would find a way to pull all those influences and like make them all fucking work, you know? I mean, that's something that I think of Kanye doing too is like, I mean, I really think about like Yeezus where it's like, he's got like Jamaican, you know, type shit on the same track with like German, like synth shit. Yeah, it's just like, because it's his voice. I mean, it's it's his literal voice does a lot to just be like, well, it's Kanye, you know? But then there's also how he puts the things together where it's like nobody else would do it this way. If you can get people to be familiar with your style to the point where they can accept that amount of, like, eclecticism in an album, 
and still just instantly be like, yeah, that's him. I mean, a lot of people hated that album too, but like, you know, after, after, eventually people came around and... In time, yeah. we was like, whew, this one crazy. In time, yeah. I was on Mushrooms when that shit came out and I put that, that shit on intense. on a sunny fucking day. Me and Cody was in the car driving like Venice Beach. I played that shit on first note. I turned that bitch right off. I was like, yeah, no, not right now. <laughs> I can't That's do crazy. that shit right now. The thing that I really remember liking about it, which was kind of what inspired the orchestra concert actually, was that when I first listened to it, I couldn't tell where the song started and ended. Hmm. And I, it's still kind of hard to tell, like, because the songs themselves will change up so much within a track. But then once it goes to the next track, it just kind of goes right into it. So it's like, it's kind of just one long piece of music to me. It just feels like one kind of mission that he's on. Right, and I feel right, like right. that reminded me a lot of like the way classical shit can be sometimes where it's just, it's like, it's just one 40 minute experience. They was referencing a classical thing with, in that songwriting book, The Line Plus Three. The first reference they had was like, is it called like Lovature or some shit? It goes, you know, then it goes, hold on, I'm finna show it to you. It's like, it's one of the famous ass uh, classical songs. It's fire too, and it really shows you like the. But the, the point is, it's like what, the fast kind of thing, and then like a big kind of punchline at the end, right? Exactly. It's like it shows yeah. you that this whole line plus three thing, um, the song is called, it's Tchaikovsky, 1812 over. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's that moment, like, at the end or whatever, where the camera. You're talking about that. That one, that one, that one. Yeah, yeah. Kind of hits. You're right. It kind of does that. Right, where it's like the lot, it's like sort of tension and how fast it's going. And then paying off at the end with that kind of like, we made it. It's like an exclamation point at the end of it. I'm trying to just figure out how to get that music in front of more people. And that's always been the goal with me. With the, Classical? With the, with the, yeah, and like not even like Tchaikovsky, but just whatever the modern version of it is that I'm doing. But just, you know, that's the thing I've been trying to do with like the Kanye concert, the, the Atel or whatever. But then, you know, since I've been touring, I try to do like, I'll sing some songs, but then I'll do like 10 minutes of that shit at the end with my violins and just be yeah. like, here, this is going to be crazy. I always like warn him too if I'm opening for artists because they don't necessarily know that that's what's coming. I like when you bring the violins out on your solo shit. Though. That shit is ill. Are you still doing the orchestra joint? Yeah, I'm trying to figure out, like, the next thing I really want to do in terms of... Yeah, so I always have, like, violins on stage with me doing, like, the small scale. But I mean the big, like, the big Yato right. sized. Are you still doing those joints? Yeah, so the, the thing that I'm trying to do next with that is that I really want to get artists that you wouldn't expect to write an orchestra thing to write for it. So get, like, Crazy. an FKA Twigs or, like, a, you know, a JPEG yeah. Mafia or something to write for the first time, maybe, I think, in those cases. You know, Grimes, James Blake, whatever to write, like, you know, and I'll, like we'll collaborate on it, whatever, but to just write orchestra music and then have, you know, a concert of a bunch of pieces of music by different people that are just kind of, you know, That'd doing a really interesting thing with sound. Cause I feel like a lot of those people didn't necessarily study that type of shit, but I think they would like to do it. I think their fans would like to see that, but it's just, there's so much closed mindedness, I think, sometimes in the world of classical music that prevents them from even thinking about, like, right. oh, they're making music that would work in that setting just as well, which is kind of the point of the Kanye concert at the time, which is like, I was just listening to Jesus and being like, a lot of this is doing the same shit that I like about the classical shit, you know? Like, why are we not playing it in these concert halls? That's crazy. I'd be liking the right string parts too, man. I like, whenever I'm working on an album, like, and I bring some 
strings in. It's so fun. You think about how they can go, like. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy telling them to do the first session we ever did. I had a bunch of stuff prepared just so we'd have stuff to record. But then there was a point I think where the session turned. You were like, "All right, what what if we did this though? What if we did that?" You know, I was like, "Dude, just get on the mic, tell them." You know. And we had sometimes it's like, okay, cool. Let me translate it to sheet music for them. Sometimes it's like literally just sing it to them and they'll fucking do yeah, it. Like, yeah, yeah, But I like, um, I like being the, the go-between. Are you tapped in with a lot of like Chicago producers right now on the new shit? Man, I'm really producing a lot right now, gang. Sick. I ain't gonna lie. Like, uh, I haven't, I haven't really been working with many producers. You know what I mean? I'm literally just fucking starting this new album though, so... All the yeah. things that I've made thus far have just been me and Peasy, you know Peasy. So yeah, it's yeah. just been like it's just been us. And my plan is like you know, like always, fucking make the structures of shit, and then holla at you, holla at yeah, yeah. Bongo, uh, Drew, like Peter Cottontail, like get people to build up, you know. But I do want to, I do want to uh, handle a lot more of the production on this next one because, uh, you know, just because I've never done it. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. I've always had such a distinct voice as a producer, but I've never, like, yeah. really leaned in to, like, producing myself for real. That'll give you a whole new, like, you know, angle into it, regardless of even where you're going lyrically. I mean, that'll make the whole process of thing inspiring in a way that'll keep it Fresh, man. Yeah, straight up. That's how I'm feeling. I mean, I got a lot of motherfuckers I do want to work with, you know what I mean? But I also want to do way more joints on here than I've done it. Even if it's just I find a sample, you know? Because yeah, I'm, yeah. you know, I'm ill with chopping samples. So even if I just find a sample, I'm work over that and then have somebody build it or replace it. We've been on some new shit. We've been replacing these samples now, bro. Like remaking or just making different samples? We got this dude. I don't know if I if I told you about him, but I ain't gonna put his name in here. I've yeah. done a couple of those for people over the years. This yeah. dude is a scientist. I, I replayed shit, Michael man. Jackson for Big Sean, actually. Uh, Snap. Hu- human nature. Yeah, that was like I literally just redid that. Like we were in the studio and they were like stressing about. It. I'm like, dude, I could definitely just make this right now. Hard. Like minutes on it. Saved everyone a you know, fucking million dollars, probably. Yeah, I swear. <laughs> I swear. And no way we're playing that game. It's kind of fun, too, because you kind of have to see what went into it to do that a little bit. You have to, like, look at it and be like, oh, shit, and they got this bass line, and they got this fucking little shit. Oh, cool, you know? Yeah, this nigga, he's using AI to do voices and shit. Oh, wow. This shit getting yeah, different. Yeah, don't put his name in here. <laughs> it's getting wicked out here, bro, to the point where I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. I'm not paying for shit kind of samples. I'm not doing it. I wrote to a guitar part I got out of the AI generator that Google has. I think it was Google. I was just starting. Google makes AI music. They're too? okay. It's, some of it's better than other shit, but yeah, you got to like kind of put it in the right thing. I wanted some like, you know, acoustic guitar loops that feel kind of like folk type, you know, like Bonnie Bear type shit or whatever. And it took, I had to like keep changing what words I would, I'll send it to you. Yeah, send me the thing. Just, you got to like steer it a little bit, but once you get into the zone, you're just keeping like, Give me another one. Give me another one. I want to learn to use AI. I'm not going to lie to you, bro. Like, I It's going to get wanna... way better. It's Right now, it's like on the cusp, but it's going to get crazy in the next couple of years, I'm sure. I definitely want to learn to use AI, like, for real, for real. You know what I'm saying? Like, I fuck with AI. I know everybody hates it. You know what I'm saying? But People like, just don't want to get replaced. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that's tough. I speak from a from a privileged position, for sure, but, like, this the scarcity mindset, man. You know what I mean? 
I just don't resonate with it. It's like AI is here to stay, gang. It's like everything else. Like more kids are going to be able to get into music because they have options that help it make it easier to get it. We might as well just figure out how to get wicked with it. You know what I mean? Like how do I yeah. freak it? You know what I mean? Yeah, you definitely can't stop it. You can't stop that shit. How do I get wicked with it? How do I, if I'm finna get replaced by AI, let me learn AI. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's not, it's definitely not gonna be writing. It's not, because the thing it's not gonna replace ever is no, that no, people, no, no. people listen to your music because they want to connect to you. To human beings. Even if you get AI that's good at like writing bars, it's, which will be a while probably, but even then it's not. It's not a person. And the, the, the music's really, I think, just about people trying to connect with a person and their ideas. And that's all it ever was. And that's all it's going to It's always going to be that, I think. What if AI could help you make up lines, though? Like sometimes when you get stuck on a line and you're like, yeah. man, I need something that rhymes with, you know. But apparently it's doing that. And also, like, I've used rhyming dictionaries. You know, it's like a better. The thing that makes it you is you deciding that this is good or not. And yeah. it's, it's you or not. And it's what you want to to represent you, I think. I keep a rhyme dictionary on deck, straight up. Yeah. Shit, dude. I might have to write some songs today. I'm about to go get on that right now. I appreciate you talking to me right now. Uh, I'm excited to hear it's where you take good. this next thing. And, uh, Got you, man. Congrats on the album. I'm glad I was able to be a part of it. I'm always here. You I know? appreciate you always. I'm going to send you some joints that we're working on right now, actually. Let me I'll know. send you a couple. Oh, you know I'll be there. All right, turn Fly up. Fly to All Chicago, right. get some hot dogs and shit, finish it up. Malort. Malort. <laughs> so straight, Malort. Good to see you, dude. All right, I love you, bro. I'm going to holla at you. I love you too, man. All right, peace, bro. See ya. Thanks for listening to the TalkHouse podcast, and thanks to Vic Mensa and Johan Lennox for chatting. If you liked what you heard, please follow TalkHouse on your favorite podcasting platform and check out all the good stuff at TalkHouse.com. This episode was produced by Myron Kaplan and the TalkHouse theme is composed and performed by The Range. See you next time.